0: Reclaiming Identity, sharing stories of struggle, pride, and redemption in reconnecting with our heritage. Hi, I'm Dora, And I'm Dahlia, and we're bringing you Reclaiming Identity as part of the ASF Institute of Jewish Experience. Do you feel a part of the Jewish story? Is your family what pops up when people think of Jews? At Reclaiming Identity, we celebrate and explore the greater Jewish experience. We encourage you to tell your story and take pride in your heritage as it is a part of your identity. Listen to other people's stories, ask questions, be curious, and reclaim your identity. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at the American Sephardi Federation Institute of Jewish Experience. Now, you have to tell me how to pronounce your name. Sharona Dorn, yes. Dury. Yes. Dori. Okay. Just making sure. <laughs> so I'm here today with Sharona Dori, who I'm very excited to have join us. I met her actually at in Philadelphia, which is where she lives, at the Mikveh Israel Synagogue. She was helping support us because we were doing a program on foods of Pesach and Passover and it was uh, really nice to meet you and you've done so many amazing things in Philadelphia and I keep seeing them on Facebook and so we're going to get into that because I need you to talk about that everything you've been doing but let's, uh, let's tell us a little bit about your family where you're from where your family's from just a little bit and what you do for a profession. Okay
1: so I am uh, from Far Israel and I've been here for many years. When people ask me how many years we've been in Philadelphia, so I say simply more here than in Israel. <laughs> we don't need numbers. It's okay. We're not no going to do <laughs> Exactly. So yeah. And since uh, I've been here, uh, it's just amazing times for me to immerse into the community and uh, uh, look at all the things that I can bring to the community in terms of who I am and uh, my culture and uh, my personality. Definitely <laughs> yes. a <good>
0: personality.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. For many years, I've been uh, searching for uh, the right fit for what uh, I should do uh, and uh, the best thing that made me connect with who I am is when I when I had my child, he's 25 years old right now. Actually, I'm sorry. There, we started
0: with numbers. OK, but that's OK.
1: <laughs> it's 26, we know you're over
0: 25.
1: That's OK. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, when he was a little baby, I was uh, just searching for what can I bring to his life from my life? So he will connect to who I am, to my culture, my identity, and uh, so on. The roots that I'm from. So, so you didn't say uh, which
0: roots you're from, but after that? Yes.
1: So my parents were born in Yemen. When you ask my my 90-year-old or 100-year-old father, my 90-year-old mother and 100-year-old father uh, where they were born, uh, they would say that uh, they were born in a small village which named Akama B'nai Mansour. Uh, and then I said, uh, I can't find it in the map. So, can you give me a different location that it will be more pronounced on the map? So, they said Ib, which is IBB. But they describe it, it as a, a lot of waterfalls and mountains and a place that I would (laughs) want to. I'm not, might be a
0: little bit of a fantasy memory, but that's okay. I'm sure it was beautiful in its own way.
1: Yeah. So I I, I said to them, you know, I always ask them, how did you remember? so I said, well, we remembered that we were young. I, my mom was 10 years old when she started her step into thinking uh, how to uh, immigrate from Akama Mene- ben to Aden and from Aden to uh, Israel. That was like around 1944, um, like 80 years ago. She would tell me that, you know, all she remembers as a child that women would go to Wales to get water. She was talking, she's water in her life was very pronounced, and so is my father. Water water is the fact that uh, he remembers a lot. So I guess they're correct with the geography for what they remember. So that's the place that they were born. But both sides of your grandparents were born there? Both. Uh, Both sides of my grandparents were there. In fact, Uh, My grandfather was a Mori, which is a teacher for little children. Uh, In Yemenite culture, when you are three years old, you are already going to a Mori, and a Mori teaches you how to read and write, mostly read. Just imagine my mother, a little girl, she was the second in the family. Uh, There was an older sister in her family. And they were running, running around in the, in the home while my father would have about 10 young boys around one book of Torah, you know, or whatever it is that they were reading from and studying from. And there were only men. Women were not allowed to sit together around with them. What happened is she remembered everything just by listening over and over the repetition wow. of what the boys were saying all the time. And if you'll sit down with my mother right now, and she's like ninety years old, she remembers everything by heart.
0: Wow! And in
1: fact, uh, I was visited with my son on January, December, January. I asked my mom to uh, read a little bit so my son will listen to it, uh, which was really exciting. And then in some of the evenings that we were not really listening, she would actually test my father to see how, if he remembers. So she would read and make mistakes. (laughs) And then she would want to, that's how she tested him to see if he remembers. And then he would say, no, 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 Miriam, my mom, my mom's name is Miriam and my father is, uh, hi, no, that's not how you read it. You have to correct it. And then he would correct it. And that's how she practices his, his memory with him. which That's amazing. How
0: old was she when she learned to read? Three. So she Three, learned, four. she learned to read, actually. She didn't just memorize. No, nope. no, nope. wow. she,
1: she memorized and read. So she when she arrived to uh, Israel and they wanted to uh, take her to first grade, she already knew how to read and write. That's amazing. That's very
0: unique. Did, yes. yes. Did she have friends there that also did? Or it was just her because was, of her? Father? it
1: was just I guess it was just
0: her. It was right. That's not something you usually hear about. I wanted to comment on the people reading around the one book. So does your father have a way that he likes to hold the book? I know my my father-in-law knows how to read sideways because he always used to sit at the side learning.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it's a different, different directions, but they know how to read from each angle, which is amazing. Right. And do you know how to read the other day, Sarah? No, but my brother does. My my grandfather that taught my father is the one that taught my brother. So, which was very cool. And and this grandfather, his name is Shimon, was when I was 10, he died. And mm. uh through my first 10 years, he's the one that I remember him. During the holidays, uh, he would take breaks and walk home because he had diabetes and he couldn't really stay through the whole time in uh, for, for the tefillah. So I would walk with him during holidays or Shabbat back home, which was very cool. That's a great memory for me to be with him and uh, listen to stories. And I remember him walking with the, his hands like in the back. And he was very short, like a little Japanese man. I don't know why he looked like a Japanese man. He would walk uh, with me and tell me stories and it would be very, very
0: special. Did he tell you more Torah stories or stories of his childhood? Stories
1: of his child or or stories of how it is a mitzvah to know Israel. So walking to each place was a mitzvah. So he walked a lot from place to place.
0: Oh, wow. To get more vote. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So really, if you think about it, teaching is in your blood. So being a teacher today just makes sense. You're a continuation in that too.
1: Yeah. it's, it's uh, So my father, that's what he did. And my mother, my grandmother was uh, singing during Hatunot uh, in the Henna. And she was also, during uh, the Shiva, she used to talk about the deceased in a, in a single way. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. She will mention the name, his name, uh, the deceased name, and talk about his life with a tune, which was amazing. I never, I never really read about it, but I saw that uh, in the fact that she was uh, doing it during Shiva. فاحرق منه ومن هي Durin-Shiva, that's my big memory. I, I have two huge memories from childhood because the neighborhood that I lived in, Saba, which was Mizrahi Aleph, Mizrahi Bet, Mizrahi Gimel, they brought all the Yemenite people to this uh, location in Saba. But this was not the first place that uh, my mother arrived to. My mother arrived uh, from Aden, they brought her and all the people that came on the boat uh, to Binyamina. to oh. Binyamina. Oh, And wow. they stayed there for a while, and then they moved to Kalkul. And from there, they moved to Tel Aviv. And then my father went directly to... Uh, he he left all his family in Israel, and he came with young men um, when there were, uh, I, I guess late teens to 20th, and they stayed in one huge house, a bunch of them. And so they came to Magdi'el, Ramakai. The story with my mother and father is because they knew each other since they were so little that my father always said, when, you were, when you'll be older, I will look for you. Now you're too young, but when you'll be old enough for me to ask your dad to marry i will marry you no
0: way and how so, old were they when they married actually uh,
1: so my mother was 18 and then my oh father was, so uh but he was searching for her because they didn't come at the same time from yemen and just think there was no facebook or no phones and things like that. yeah <laughs> so uh he was searching from word of mouth like when is this village coming from did they come already where did they go to and all those things so until he found her and then he came and he proposed and they got married and 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 so he lived in Magdiel and my my mom lived in tel aviv but my my old my oldest aunt which my sister my mother's oldest sibling lived when she was married in Farsaba. And my grandfather missed her a lot, so he left the house in Tel Aviv, and he went to Kfar to live in a tent because he missed her so much. Wow! Oh my goodness. And then and then the siblings all asking, you know, they were little, so they were like, now they're why did you leave?
0: Laugh? Yeah. <laughs>
1: why did Why did you leave uh, Tel Aviv? It was the best place, and. This every time I go to Israel, the first thing my mom is asking me is go to the beach where she was as a child in Tel Aviv. She still Aviv. has those great memories. Uh-oh. Oh great memories, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: So let me ask a little bit about you said you grew up in Kfarsaba. Was your community mostly Yemenite or mostly Jews of Arab lands or mostly mixed or they're all
1: Yemenite. Absolutely all Yemenites So so there were about five synagogues in one neighborhood or for two neighborhoods and they were choosing where to go according to the the tonality of the reading the torah reading within the yemenite culture yeah exactly so uh that was interesting and women of course They were welcomed there, but they had uh, a place in the Azara, which is a divided place just for women to stay and listen to the uh, Torah reading. But it was not really customary customary to uh, go to the synagogue. I, I just remember as a child, my father would come after the synagogue to Shabbat breakfast while wow, everything would be ready, and then we'll connect with all the family and sit and have cubana. Cubana mm-hmm. is 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 a doughy a pastry that rises and looks like a huge bread that is really tasty. So good, you bake it through the night. My mom would the, the way she would uh, put it in the in the cubana uh, pot. It would right, be, it's a special pot that you have to have. Yes, the shape would make the Cubanas so big. Like I remember, as I remember, uh, helping my mom. That's one of the things that she uh, uh, did with us as children, helping in the kitchen. Uh, everyone would have a chore, but I would, I would roll the cubana with her, the dough with her, and place it in the in the pot. Which was really cool, uh tactile, you know, to yeah. touch it and 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 sing while we're doing it and uh it would be really fun. Did she
0: teach you some of the traditional songs?
1: Uh all the time. The every I mean this morning I spoke to her and she said, You're starting to teach this year. So uh Tell me what song you want to listen to and and I will sing it to you. But but during the whole time, as I remember, we always sang, like there was like a tradition in the Yemenite uh, custom that on after Shabbat meal, all the men would uh, gather in one of the house in one of the houses or the garden, wherever it is that everybody would decide to be in. And Every everyone will be, bring their jale, which means all the nuts and uh, goodies, and a lot of greens. I remember a lot of greens uh, on those uh, beautiful plate, large plates to share. And through the whole time, they would sing from the diwan. The diwan is a, a large uh, book that uh, Shalom Shabazi wrote all the songs to. Uh, He's and, the main one,
0: but there are others, too. He's yeah,
1: a- that's the one that uh, my father handed to me and wrote in memory, you know.
0: Oh, wow.
1: That I have in my uh, one of the uh, shelves here. Do you show it to your kids ever? Yeah, I showed it to my son. I have one son.
0: Oh, one son, sorry. Does he help you? Do you make Cubana
1: also? No, I don't. I'm actually, I never... I never Um, made it by myself (laughs) wow oh you have to you have to (laughs) it's great that he has those memories like i do when he thinks about my mom he thinks about the kubana or he thinks about uh, the special uh reading that i was telling you about and uh uh, and my father is just amazing i can believe he's 100 years old I i mean. Uh, I'm just like every day that I'm, uh, I feel so grateful to have him. But um, on January, when we visited, it was kind of like a farewell for my father because we didn't know when the next time we we're going to see him. So hopefully he will be there with us when we'll visit next time.
0: Yeah, I hope so. And it sounds like you're still able to talk to him. I mean, that's a real blessing that you can continue to have these conversations and your son can also. I mean, so let's so, go back again because we're going back and forth, but that's good. When is the first time you were really exposed to other Jews other than Yemenites?
1: The difference between my brother, my my sisters, my brother and I was that my sister went to religious school, elementary school, and my brother when he was in elementary school, he, my, my parents already sent him to non-religious school, which uh, provided, I don't know what the difference was, but it was just naturally because not, it was not religious. So it had different cultures. I don't know why.
0: Oh, it had it had mixed, you're saying. So it was it, Athenazi, Moroccan,
1: whatever. Yes, exactly. So, so I was always immersed with different cultures from school. Uh, maybe in kindergarten, it was just Yemenite kids from the neighborhood. But when I started first grade, it was already elementary school that uh, brought kids from all neighborhoods. And so uh, for me, I was always immersed with different
0: cultures. And did you feel a part of the greater community? Did you see a difference between going home, being only among Yemenites and then going to school and having this mixed culture or was all Jews and that's what it is?
1: Uh, Actually, we celebrated in school. My teacher was amazing to celebrate all the the cultures. So I remember going to different houses and learn about different customs, which was uh, great. Uh, And we had special days that we brought different foods. So we we actually learned about different
0: cultures in school. That's absolutely amazing. That's beautiful. I'm so happy to hear that because we don't usually hear that. I actually, when when
1: I really felt the difference in cultures was in uh, the army. In the army, I was in Yechidat uh, Morot entertainment groups. Yechidat Morot that had entertainment. So what we did, uh, they called it Nayyedet Omanuyot. And so uh, in the morning, we would write plays and then go to uh, various. uh Communities in the in the southern part of Israel, like Netivot, Dereh, all those
0: kibbutzim and yeshuvim and uh, which are right now the ones that are called uh Otefaza, the ones surrounding gaza all those exactly over there which <laughs> has a big
1: connection to philadelphia philadelphia because they're the sister city with the Shutfoot alpine in uh, philadelphia so nativo all those of all those places oh wow you're sister- all together your life just <laughs> comes together so it's all connected so, so we did that in the morning and then at night we sang to soldiers, but this is when I actually was immersed with the Moroccan and Tunisians and all the North African communities that were welcoming us with amazing hosts. And uh, it was a celebration every time that we went there. In, in terms of like the the singing and and the and the and the food, and it was just like a whole big party. But they were, for some reason, they wanted to be their own. Like Tunisian wanted to be come to us to our and we wanted to uh, bring them all together in one spot. And they just wanted to be in their own village without. Uh, I don't wow.
0: know
1: why. Maybe there's a reason. We never find out why.
0: Everybody is uh, nervous about the other, right? We know that he's different than me. Hey, you have it in Ashkenazi cultures too. You have Hungarians that won't talk to the Czechs and the uh, Polish that aren't there. And you have the, you even have in, in Yemenite culture, right? You have the Dardaim, which are yes. at, not anti-Kabbalah, but not accepting Kabbalah. And you have the Shamin that are into Kabbalah. So... Yes, it's
1: interesting how Jews are all uh, from different places, but but we're all Jews. Like, when and you felt out, that in the army within your unit? Not with my unit, but where we would go to perform. So in your
0: unit where you just wanted... In,
1: in my unit, it would be a melting pot. We had two apartments to share. And we were actually all from different, like we were three Ammonites and the rest were like uh, Ashkenazi and Moroccan. It's amazing how we all came together.
0: It is. This is a beautiful story. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> this is something yeah. that we all want to get to. So hearing this, I think, really puts things in perspective. Often times we hear, you know, how they had to fight to get to finish their high school and they had to. And you're giving a beautiful picture here. So I'm very excited to hear how it can actually work. And you took some of that with you when you went to, I don't know how long. Oh, you said you don't want to say how long ago you went to Philadelphia. But you've been there for a while. And uh, you really, even just the synagogue that we were at is such a mix of people. Tell us a little bit about what you do there and why.
1: When I was... uh... A young mom, I was thinking about my child and how I would bring him uh, the culture that I celebrated all the time. And so uh, it wasn't anywhere that I, can, I, could, I could have connected him to. So I just founded an organization by name Philip Israel and philly israel brought the israeli culture to philadelphia so, so philly israel was uh, an organization that i founded um and uh, the purpose was to connect my son to the Israeli culture the hebrew language and so on and so i was searching for community members that will come along with the idea and uh Uh, It was a a wonderful celebration to see people that uh, like-minded were searching to connect their children to the Hebrew and Israeli culture and was a win-win for everyone. So um, we did many great things like bring uh, Israeli culture uh, shows uh, and plays and lectures, uh, activities for children. And so we did it for many, many years, and then we had other opportunities to bring different Israeli uh, organizations that came here and had more funding, and we shared our uh, values and everything that we had with them, and uh, we created a larger organization. If you're familiar with the IAC, the Israeli American Council, that came here and. doing amazing work right now. And so I continue with whatever I do, but more of like production's way, uh, uh, bringing, uh, continue to do what I do, but more on my way of uh, uh, connecting to the community and uh, bringing Israeli
0: culture in a different
1: way. If you understand what I mean. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, and one of the things I love when I see it on Facebook is that when you say Israeli culture, you really mean across the spectrum. So you'll yes. bring people of very diverse heritage and um, have them come. Like, give a, give us two three examples of different programs that you have.
1: Okay, so right now I'm working on uh, two events. One of them is going to be in September 14 with uh, Orly Carmon. Orly Carmon is an Israeli that lives in Toronto. And she has about 55,000 Israeli women that follow her and uh, from all different countries. And uh, we connect with Hebrew with different programs. So she will come and she will speak about her way of um she has a special story. I don't want to talk about it, but whoever is going to come to the event will understand I, I, what is. for. Or you can look person. her up also. <laughs> yeah, look, at, look her up and uh, come raise uh, a glass of wine and say Lechaim for the Jewish New Year. Uh, And then uh, later on, um, I will bring someone that is, I used to, uh, he's not anymore, but he was in the production of uh, uh, Khatunami. and uh, he will come and talk about, uh, he's a psychologist, he will come and talk to us about engagement, how to, what will be the best way to match with a mate and how to uh, create uh, a meaningful relationship and even us as parents like when we talk to the kids what are the special values that you have to look in uh, in a person uh, and see how much can match to you and how important it is because not everybody is talking about how important it is to match with the values talk about all oh, what's coming coming to us as a couple before we even
0: <laughs> no, it's later. huge actually. I talk about my kids talk about that a lot as they don't know you you're not taught it you're not trained that way, and it's really an important skill. I mean you bring people together, and I think you kind of uh continued with your upbringing as you started with a very strong heritage and a very strong background and continued holding on to it while still being part of the greater Jewish narrative and I continue that way and what do you do in your home besides the Hebrew language to give to your son do you do anything in your home I should ask because I know that when you go to visit your parents, you do. But do you do something in your home that's specifically Yemenite or specifically that you want to give over the heritage to your son?
1: First of all, my son is, does not live with me as much as I can to say the blessing over the candles. And that's the opportunity for me to bless him for A good week, and maybe that would be like the best way to connect with them and talk about the week that just passed, and uh, that's the connection time. But uh, that's something he will remember. But uh, uh, when he comes over, of course, you will ask for different uh, food that I would connect that would connect to his memories, and it doesn't have to be just Yemenite. uh, But but he he loves milaw. You know, I don't make it from scratch, but I would go and we buy it. the frozen and I think it's
0: just as good. It's OK. Don't tell anybody.
1: <laughs> and, he, and he likes spicy food, which come also from our heritage. Yeah. yeah, I think that's in the genes somehow.
0: Although I do have one daughter that doesn't. But uh, no, I think, first of all, I wish you much success in everything you do, because I just think this is epitomizing where we want to go with it. And thank you so much for sharing your life with us. This is epitomizing the beauty of you didn't have to reclaim your heritage. You had your heritage while being part of the greater Jewish experience. And so thank you for showing us almost, I don't want to say an idealized world, but something that we can strive for. Let's put it that way. Correct.
1: Correct. Yes. And I totally, I totally agree with you.
0: Thank you. And is there anything else, last thing you want to say to everybody before we sign off?
1: No, I just want to wish everyone uh, Shanatova a wonderful uh, new year and may uh, you be healthy, continued health and uh, prosperity. And uh, may we all be connected in all those connections that make all the tribe strong and welcome each other to different life uh, that connect in meaningful ways. Perfect. Amen. Amen,
0: amen. Thank you for listening. Reclaiming Identity is produced and edited by Moshe Singer and executive produced by Dalia Arusi and Dora Arusi. Our theme music is by Vanessa Paloma. Be sure to check her out on Spotify. Be a part of the reclamation. Subscribe to the Reclaiming Identity podcast on our website, instituteofjewishexperience.org, on our Facebook page, Spotify, or Apple Music. Follow our programs on our website and the Institute of Jewish Experience channel on YouTube. And please help support these and other ASF Institute of Jewish Experience efforts by donating today.